0: everybody, welcome to Revved Up for Sunday. We are the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Peter Walsh. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey.
1: And I'm John Kennedy.
0: So, Happy New Year. This is our first podcast for 2024, and it seems like we're going back in time because it's back to John the Baptist. Four podcasts ago, we were talking about some of the same scripture. Here we have Mm -hmm. something that certainly is historically certain, that Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River. Only Mark says He's the one to do
2: it.
0: Here we are back in Mark's Gospel, Mark 1, verses 4 to 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So, here we go, amigos. What do you say?
2: I'm I'm just surprised to, to realize that Mark's the only one to mention John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. That, that, in all my years, I don't know why I haven't registered that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. In Matthew, Jesus and John have this exchange that is not in Mark about how John feels unworthy to baptize Jesus. He says, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And so it's heavily, heavily implied mm-hmm. in, in Matthew that John baptizes Jesus, but it does not say it explicitly, plainly, like it does here, where we get... Um, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. Oh, okay, I see what you and mean. And then in so Luke, not, yeah. it talks about John baptizing all these people, and Jesus also was baptized. Y- yeah. Uh, so that's pretty close. It too. doesn't and say then, by him. No. And I then in John, they have this exchange, and John. It seems like John has the vision of of the dove landing on Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but it says nothing about Jesus being baptized. Mm-hmm. It talks about John baptizing, but it never mind uh, mm-hmm. a mention of Jesus being baptized by John. There's actually not even a mention of right. him being baptized at all.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's implicit, but it's not, it doesn't happen mm-hmm. that way. I think it's, it's fascinating uh, because clearly this is historically true yeah. that Jesus got baptized mm-hmm. and was completely attracted to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. clearly this was a problem for the gospel writers, for the early communities as they contended with this. Mm-hmm. And and, and, of course, Mark, the one who is the most minimalist and sparing, just bang, slams yeah. it out there. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's interesting that, uh, that the others, in some sense, are... are um uh, crafting this or, or seeing this in their own ways because what we're really talking about here in my opinion the church has wasted uh, a, a tremendous amount of time in, in the after, afterlife of the church over mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. the bigger deal about John the Baptist or Jesus because that's all sorted out and all of our sermons get to de- being about this I don't think anybody gives a hoot about that because it's already decided mm-hmm. I think what the darn story is about is is what happens after the baptisms it's a Christological mm-hmm. moment It's about the vision uh, that Jesus has. It's about the audition that he is, that he hears, that he is God's son. Mm -hmm. And that what the the big deal is in this case, in my opinion, is that this is a personal religious experience for Jesus Mm -hmm. that changes Jesus's life. This is the Christ moment. This is where he is anointed. This is Mm -hmm. where the, like where oil is poured on David for him to become the anointed one. Mm -hmm. This is the anointing moment. I think we've been Mm -hmm. spending years and years talking about the wrong thing.
2: Also in the Greek version, I've I've heard from some scholars that the Greek of, you know, he was baptized by John in the Jordan can also be translated um, and was baptized sort of at the hands of John, which really was more like God doing the baptism and, and John was sort of yeah. there to execute or something. So there's some nuance where it's even not necessarily totally explicit here either in the Greek Um mm-hmm as it is in Matthew. I mean, like in Matthew. But, um, but I think what is important is in the context of this early church, um, people, as one of you pointed out in an earlier podcast, that people were still following John the Baptist and it had to be put to rest who was the greater one and to clarify that we can let that go now, You know that it's Jesus that he was pointing to all this time. And I think each gospel feels at pains to express that and john is a starting you know then they connect him with the isaiah prophecy that he's the messenger sent to prepare the way for jesus so they have to they make it clear but it's true that we spend a lot of time in our modern church mm-hmm. kind of wringing ha- our hands over yeah
1: him. yeah yeah it's funny that we do that because yeah it, it is clear who um you know ends up being the 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 main um uh, uh agent of, of salvation and so on it's it's clearly clearly jesus jesus in the christian narrative but um, it's too bad that that there's this history of diminishing john um because john w- was was a, a powerful man of the spirit and uh a, a peter as you said you know jesus was was attracted to him i'm thinking about um the movie the last temptation of christ which in some ways has a very um you know, unorthodox depiction of, of Jesus and and not meant to be historical revisionism mm-hmm. or, or no no historical claims are being made by that book or by that movie. But nonetheless, some of what it depicts are um, consonant with with the gospel depictions. And and one of, one thing that I really like in that story is that you get the sense that there is this very close relationship between Jesus and John that they mm-hmm. were cousins mm-hmm. uh, that they really loved each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and and they were you know they shared um, uh, uh, you know the sort of spiritual. Fire in in their in their being, right? Uh, and they also shared a, a life of peril. You know, they were um, targets, uh, and and obviously they both ended up dying at the hands of of the powers that be of that time. Um, and so you know, Peter, I, I love you talking about this being a personal religious experience for Jesus. Um, obviously, John was a man who had personal religious experience as well, and he was inviting other people into that personal mm-hmm. religious experience. And it was all through baptism. And um, it's a conundrum for me being um, not only a member of, but a priest in a church that practices infant baptism. I'm all in, all for infant baptism. And yet it is not usually, if ever, a personal religious experience for those infants. Mm-hmm. So the question is, you know, um, when can they be prepared for a personal religious experience? I mean, in in the early church, uh Christianity was very much a religion of conversion and each baptism uh, it seems like in the early period anyway when there would be this long period of preparation uh, after which they would be baptized only at the Easter vigil that was the only time they practiced mm-hmm. baptisms and uh, the symbolism couldn't be any more powerful uh, and, and probably transformative of being uh, baptized uh, when it's dark Mm -hmm. Uh, The night of the Easter Vigil while the dawn of Easter Sunday is, is, is approaching. Uh, that they would take off all their clothes before they got baptized. You know, a symbol mm-hmm. of, of them dying to the old self and then being clothed after they're fully immersed. You know, their body is fully immersed in, in water in this baptistry. Um, when they get out, they are clothed in this white garment, a symbol of their mm-hmm. new life in Christ. And again, this following a very long, rigorous mm-hmm. process of of instruction yes. yeah. and um, yeah, and yeah, and living the Christian life. And uh, of exorcisms, even though that was part of it, too. Um, and, of course, they were going to feel like a new person at the end of that whole journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it would mirror what we get here. And I think this is still the church's job. And we've just got to figure out how to do, do it more.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, interesting. I, and a lot to say about why we why we... Baptize infants mm-hmm. and and why some churches might not. I think one of the issues here uh, in our churchiosity is that we we sometimes get a piece of scripture. Jesus's baptism is not a Christian baptism. Right. It's a baptism that points toward uh, that that points towards the coming uh, the, the coming one or the holy one, the, the Christ, uh, the Son of God. All these all these different terms, and it's not baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And when you know in the other ones where we hear uh, that he will baptize you with uh, the Holy Spirit and, and the other uh, I think in Mark or Luke you get they baptize you with fire in the Holy Spirit, which is mm-hmm. all made true in the Pentecost event when the Holy Spirit comes in at the, the, on the day of Pentecost and right. as like tongues of fire. But I, I think that we sometimes are working way too hard trying to make Jesus's baptism into our baptism, and mm-hmm. they're two different things. They're really, really, very two different things and that yeah. we do well we don't we hurt ourselves to try to conflate them and even to try to conflate some of John's preaching i think toward that which i think was something different than it wasn't pointing toward christian baptism and and so uh, you, you know uh, this is how we can get ourselves tangled in these little things when in fact i think it's completely legitimate that jesus Uh, it knows John or knows of John Mm -hmm. I mean as you were saying about the last temptation there's nothing in the scriptures besides the one little piece in Luke where it says they're cousins but nowhere do we see that these guys actually knew each other Mm -hmm. there's you don't get that in any of the discourses between the two they Mm -hmm. talk about each other but they don't talk to each other Mm -hmm. Uh, and we find ourselves in a situation where Jesus is clearly attracted to John clearly gets himself baptized and clearly has a religious experience and really what what the gospel writers are trying to tell you at least Luke and Mark are trying to tell us that this is a christological moment i mean mm-hmm. mark wants us to know right from the first sentence that jesus is the christ the son of god that's the first sentence of the gospel we we now have this christological moment you are my son uh, the beloved and we then get i mean the the end of mark's gospel mm-hmm. the climax is the centurion who says mm-hmm. right certainly this is certainly yeah. this was yeah. the son of god and <laughs> right. so i think mark's just like a guy with a hammer and a nail bang 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 and he's banging mm-hmm. through this is who this guy is mm-hmm.
2: yeah over and over and it's so personal you know here's where god speaks to jesus and not it doesn't say to the other people this is my son right like it does in in luke and um I think that in Mark too, you know, it's the very first gospel. It's written early and it's written to people in great distress and persecution. So this is a gospel where everything happens urgently and, you know, kind of quickly. And, um, there's a lot of, uh, urgency and stress and, um, challenge, you know, this is the gospel where we get violent storms and, um, lots of things happen on the sea and crossing the sea. And, you know, there's always the threat right on the horizon of destruction. And so I think that this baptism for Jesus is like the bolstering. It's the first thing it's only verse 11 that he's, this is happening out of this whole book. And you know, what's happening is the heavens are being torn apart. And I think that's, for one theologian says, this is Mark's organizing principle that in Mark, that, um, the heavens in order for people to see and hear the heavens are going to have to tear open, you know, and oh, interesting. and it yeah, echoes that, that passage that, Oh, um, I forget where it is. I don't even know if I wrote it down, but Oh, that you would tear the heavens open and come down to make known your name to our enemies and make the nations tremble at your mm. presence, working on miracles. That's Isaiah 64. Um, You know, here Jesus makes his entrance with the heavens tearing open. And then when he exits in Mark 15, the temple curtains torn in two, Mm -hmm. right? So there's no more barrier to people accessing God. And Mm -hmm. so the people in Mark who are being persecuted and, and tortured, there has to be so much doubt, so much second thoughts. Like, are we really, is this worth it? Are we really following someone true? And I think this gospel is written for those people to make them keep the faith and stay, stay close. And you know, here they have God speaking directly to Jesus, saying, "You are my son. Even if no one else knows it, you know. You know, I'm telling you that this is this is the way." So, I mean, the whole gospel is written like that. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just saying that by way of setup for all this to come in Year B with Mark. But um, uh, there's there's these great images. You know, I think that image of tearing open the heavens. And Jesus coming up out of the water, that's creation language. And, you know, Jesus is kind of being here to recreate the earth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, Mark is such an interesting gospel because it is direct in certain ways, but in other ways... Um, it comes at this whole matter of of Jesus as the Messiah and and the good news of of the salvation he brings uh, kind of obliquely. Like there's the messianic secret. Jesus Mm -hmm. never wants anybody to tell him uh, who he is or what he's doing, Mm -hmm. you know, the miracles that he's doing. Um, There probably isn't actually a resurrection scene in the original composition of of Mark's gospel. The, The resurrection scenes uh, that we have in the text um, are, are probably later editions in any modern edition of the Bible. If you open it to Mark 16, we'll tell you that. They're like bracketed and then double mm-hmm. bracketed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think Mark is trying to, or reflecting, uh, trying to to cultivate and reflecting as well uh, an existing sensibility of um, uh, learning to see and be led by that which um, our eyes can't see mm-hmm. uh, by a uh, heavenly divine reality. Nice. Um, you know, that, that when the heavens open and, um, the dove, uh, the spirit like a dove descends on Jesus, it's not as if, you know, way up there somewhere like a door opens, <laughs> <and> <laughs> like a dove like <laughs> swoops down. Um, but more that heaven is here, mm-hmm. you know, in our midst that, um, You know, just as God is present everywhere, divine reality is present everywhere. And there are moments when when the curtain uh, is open. We see behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, those those moments are transformative personal religious experiences. Um, And uh, yet even those of us who do have those experiences have to live much of our lives by faith in that reality. Uh, and of course, there are a, a host of spiritual practices that can train our, our whole being, our hearts, our minds, um, our, our, our bodies to uh, feel a, a real contact to that reality, contact with that reality as well. Um, but uh, it's really interesting to think about that sort of spirituality, I would call it, uh, in the context of facing um, not only opposition for being Christian, but but indeed persecution um, and maybe even you know, um, deathly threats and so on, um, and it gives gives all the more power to to these early witnesses that, uh, despite all appearances to the contrary, that that this is the way,
0: that this mm-hmm. is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. Uh, you guys have brought the conversation in a in a way that it wouldn't have occurred to me to go. I uh, I do think that uh, first of all, with the with the heavens torn apart and the voice coming. Those of you who are fans of Monty Python, uh, there are some phenomenal <laughs> Monty Python scenes where God of <laughs> the Cloud is talking. Hey, hey! Remember the one where the, the the jaw is going in the cloud? Hey, hey! You down there? Yo, 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 are The one I'm talking to, uh, and and just you know, phenomenal. Uh, the, the 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 people from Monty Python are all very well theologically educated, which is why they're yeah. able yeah. to they're yeah. able to to write these funny mm-hmm. things. Yeah. But I, I think once again, you, you know, we we I think it's very possible for us to hear these stories over and over and over and to find ourselves like an old record mm-hmm. back when we had records where you know the, the, it grooves in a certain way and might skip in a certain way and to read the scripture anew and, and certainly for those mm-hmm. of us you know we study the scriptures in order, believe it or not we study but, but to have these conversations <laughs> you probably didn't know that uh, anyway that this is Jesus's call experience mm-hmm. that's yeah, what this is yeah this is not about John the Baptist it's mm-hmm. about Jesus this yeah is Jesus's call oh, yeah, experience yeah. and mm-hmm. he experiences he experiences the Holy Spirit and he experiences love mm-hmm. He's he, and this is yeah. the thing that lights him on fire and sends him into the desert mm-hmm. this is what this is about this is Jesus as this is, this is his call experience this mm-hmm. is not about our getting baptized at the font at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Cana Connecticut mm-hmm. I think we're laying the wrong stuff on the story I think we need to get in the story and get in there with Jesus and see that he has just been electrified every cell in his body has been lit on fire by mm-hmm. the spirit and he feels the key thing is love he feels this this is the clunkiest words you are my son the beloved with with you i am well pleased it sounds like god has a pipe in his mouth <laughs> uh you know it, it's the clunkiest thing mm-hmm. i think this is an I think this is a blissful, I think oh, yeah. this is a blissful, yeah. nearly ecstatic mm-hmm. interior experience for Jesus that he has. And he's mm-hmm. coming out of the water, just like in <laughs> yeah. Luke's gospel, he's coming out of the water and he's praying. This all happens when he's praying in Luke's gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we got the emphasis on the wrong syllable here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should be getting into Jesus, his his spiritual right. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that
2: said, we are doing a bunch of baptisms for this Sunday and it's our text for the baptism of our Lord. Um, and we connect that to baptizing others. And um, I'm with you all the way. I think this is very much about Jesus. And, you know, it's really about what, what we're being baptized into, which will unfold with all the stories and teachings and healings that follow this passage. But um, but in terms of sacrament, and John, what you were talking about with whether we should keep baptizing adults after three years of arduous preparation yeah, and confine yeah. it to the Easter Vigil. And that's such a beautiful um, symbolism and liturgy that that this all comes out of in our ancient roots Mm -hmm. um but i i i did this conference once with or i attended the conference with ellen cherry who's from princeton she's a great teacher yeah and it was called pickles pickles and pop tarts and it was about you know this whole idea of are you saved um once and for all like a pop tart or are you saved over time Mm. steeping in the juices and Mm -hmm. like a pickle. So it was pickles versus Pop-Tarts and it's it's that whole theology of kind of, you know, I grew up in a certain period of my youth where the tradition was asking if when and where were you saved? And you you know, most, many of the people in that tradition had a date and a place and a time. Right in a
1: book. Yes.
2: Yeah. And so, but you know, I really think our baptism tradition, when we baptize infants, um, we're giving them a starting point and Mm. a framework and, um, just, you know, for the benefit of all who are going through that type of thing with their babies, um, it's an orientation. And I love our liturgy that has us turning and returning and, you know, orienting our gaze towards the eastern horizon of mm-hmm. the light and life of God. Um Cause it's like a, it's an orientation point and and it's never the once and for all kind of magic wand that a lot of people think it is. It doesn't keep us out of hell or anything like that. It's, or or it's not like insurance, you know, it's a way of life that orients us towards a direction and we have to come to embrace it Mm -hmm. at some point um, that does change us, but it's not necessarily in the moment and it might be many years or decades before someone's realizing what that means to them and how to live into it Mm -hmm. um so i think it's a really great place to start a child's life or even a parenting life to have this orientation that you always know your north star like how you can turn and return and come back
0: yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I see it through the lens differently. Uh, I mean, in time, I don't mean just differently from either of you, both of you. I, I just as it's mm-hmm. changed for me over mm-hmm. time, I now see it as a love story question. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Jesus' call is a love story, mm-hmm. and in his di- divine affirmation that you know you're you're, he's this is this is biblical speak for for divine love being poured upon him and that it happens at the at the juncture of his baptism and I think that uh, out of, and, and out of that, he feels so affirmed that he's able to be. Mm-hmm. He's able to, to ride the ups and downs and all of this of the of his christological call. And if I would say something about our children's baptism, the most important thing for a child is for the child to feel loved. That mm-hmm. is the number one thing. A child who doesn't feel loved has all kinds of problems for mm-hmm. the rest of his or her or their life. And and a child who feels loved has has the the internal machinery to take on. On life and to grow in life. And I think that the what we're doing in our children's baptism is we're 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 giving them everything right from the start so they know that they have love. We're not withholding anything until they're some kind of part of their brain can assent to it. We're saying this is primal and pre-verbal mm-hmm. and, and just the way love is primal and preverbal, we're trying to raise children into the into the love so that they would never not know, they would never not know that they are divinely loved. And that's that's what we're that's mm-hmm. what the, yeah, the that's business good. is here. Mm-hmm. and um and that's why I just feel like when, when I was making the bold and loud statements about we're tripping over John the Baptist here, but we ought to get over tripping over him because we, mm-hmm. you know, we're that's a thousands of years ago, and we've all made our decision on that one. We ought to get out yeah. of the business of of figuring out, you know, uh, our Lord and and what is it that makes what is it if the star of every sermon and the star of everything is God? What is it that makes God crazy? God the Father or God the Divine crazy? It's when Jesus identifies completely with the human condition by getting in the waters mm-hmm. the, yeah. you know the waters of sin and then clearly it's almost as though the, the the divine can't stand it and so he gets in this moment he is fully human and fully divine completely he's mm. immersed in humanity he's immersed in divinity and mm. it's all right there nice.
1: mm. yeah wow beautifully wow. said that is beautifully
0: said yeah not what I usually get on these podcasts. <laughs> uh, usually it's... And one more thing it's because he's, he's kind of off in that field here. Hey, no, uh, no. A, a last word here from either of you before we wrap this up? And
1: uh, uh, or, Earlier I said something about how, you know, the, the church needs to do a better job of, um, in some ways, facilitating these sorts of transformative religious experiences. I mean, I, I basically believe that, but but one important qualification is that they're always a divine gift. They're always grace. So we can't, you know, identify just the conditions and just the steps in a process Mm -hmm. that will reliably end up in a result of transformative religious experience. It Mm -hmm. doesn't happen that way. Um, it's much more like, not that I know too much about gardening, but it's, it's more like gardening than building, um, something Mm -hmm. it's it's uh something that can be prepared for the soil can be prepared and john is talking about prepare right Mm. Uh, and i do believe that preparation is is worthwhile and important i mean jesus was prepared by this it's not like jesus's you know uh life as a pious man begins here right like we can imagine that he had been saying his prayers and, and reading the scriptures and probably doing other ascetic practices for some time um so all that stuff is worthwhile but but it doesn't um lead like you know like a mathematical formula uh uh but but all the more reason just to be you know um we've just come out of the season of advent a season of of watching and waiting Uh, all the more reason to to cultivate an an interior posture disposition of watching and waiting uh for the light for for the lord to, to come among us and and set our hearts on fire because it does happen and when it does happen it's the best thing that can ever happen to us
0: So uh, we're hoping that this podcast is so stimulating that you, too, will have a transformative religious experience. Kidding. Uh, No, (laughs) not kidding. We hope that happens. But we know it's not coming through this podcast here. (laughs) But we do. If it does, we want to know. Yeah, yeah, Then definitely call this (laughs) number, number. 203-442-5002, because you can be the number one on, you just had a transformative (laughs) religious experience (laughs) listening to us describe the scriptures. What we are doing here is wrestling with the scriptures. Pulling out the meaning, wrestling in this, and this is something that we're delighted that you've joined us. It's meaningful to us, and it's I hope it's meaningful to you, uh, and that it helps helps us all uh, do the spiritual wrestling that mm-hmm. prepares the soil uh, for the you know for the divine to 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 settle into it. So we love it when you like and you click and you subscribe and you give us a comment, and uh, even if you don't do any of that, God bless you and thank you so much for joining us. Peace be with you. (音楽) All right.